all would like to experience more of God, to be closer to God, to figure out how can I be more open in my life to God. And so one of the things that we confront is where is God? Is God close? Is he far? I don't know exactly how to find him. Maybe you've heard about, there's these little boys. Uh, it's an old church story, but there were a couple of boys and they were huge troublemakers. They were brothers and they were always getting into trouble. And finally, the, it was the, uh, the uh, kids director and their mother decided we've got to do something different because they're creating problems every Sunday. And so the mom and the children's director went to the pastor and said, can you come to their house and sit down with these boys and see if you can get their attention? So the pastor comes over to the house, uh, sitting down with the boys one at a time. And the first little boy is sitting there and the pastor asks him, where is God, son? And this little eight-year-old boy is you know, towering before the pastor. This is a bad thing. And he doesn't know what to say. So he's just sitting there and the pastor asks him again. Son, where is God? No answer. Little boy's head down. He doesn't really know what to do. And finally, the pastor brings it one more time. A little more intimidating. Where is God? And he goes running off into his room, dives into the closet, and closes the door. And his brother's in there waiting to meet with the pastor. And so the brother says, hey, what's going on? And his little brother says, hey, we're in real big trouble this time. God is missing. And they think we did it. We want to find God. And fortunately, God is involved in the process. He doesn't just say, hey, do your best and see if you can figure out, and, and he plays hide and seek with us. He really is present in our world, and he's available. So here's the question. Can you think of a time in your life when you felt close to God, when God was found in your life? Now, you don't even have to be a follower of Christ. There are moments in our, time, in our lives where we have had experiences where it seemed that God was present. Can you think of a time like that? Maybe it was when you were a child. Maybe you can think back to a time. Maybe it was a difficult time that you were going through in your life, and it seemed that God was closer, that he was present in that time of need. It could have been a passing moment. It could have been um, you know, a season where it's like, yes, God is there and he's leading me and I have a sense of what he wants me to do. And it makes good sense because if we think of it, big picture, the God who created everything, the God who brought the universe into existence, who created us as human beings, if he's still actively involved in this thing, we would expect from time to time, we would feel his presence and his activity around us. But the thing is, it doesn't happen every day, right? It's just like, you know, there are lots of days where, like, God, I, I would like to be more open. I would like to find you, but I don't know where you are. So how do we draw closer to God? How do we, in those moments, really open ourselves to how God may be wanting to meet us? And we can think of times. I mean, I can think of when each of my kids was born. That's one of those moments when a child comes into the world, especially when it's your child. And it's amazing because you realize this is not just something we did. This is this amazing child that's been given to us and now we are going to care for. 
I can think of times uh, like when my dad died. You know, I was in my mid-20s, and he died suddenly. And what began as a very hard, difficult time of searching became a really amazing season in my life where I began to experience God's presence in a new and a unique way. And there are other times that we can think of in our lives, aren't there? We've, taste, we've all faced tough and anticipated or unanticipated challenges where through that difficult time, God has showed up in a certain way. All right, so there's a common key, though. There's a common key if we're going to find God, if we're going to pursue God in these moments, and that is, uh, it's this. The key to experiencing more of relationship with God is humility. I mean, it's a pretty simple thing. We've got to be humble. We've got to be in a humble position if we're going to approach or experience God, but it is the starting point. It's critical for us if we're going to pursue God, if we're going to grow in a relationship with God. We've got to learn humility. So what's humility? Well, basically, it's when we don't think too much of ourselves, which, um, you know, some days we're all right with that, right? We, we, can, we can put ourselves aside. But a lot of days, especially in a world where it's always about self-aggrandizement, where it's always about making more of yourself, it can be a difficult thing not to think too much of ourselves. I like how uh, C.S. Lewis said it. He said this, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is instead thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking of yourself less. And when we do that, we're acknowledging our limitations and our need for God's leadership in our life. I think that's what's so, uh, so cool about last night. If you follow college football, there's a new Heisman winner, Marcus Mariota. Now, uh, I don't know if you're Oregon Duck fans or not. They whipped my team this year, so that wasn't a whole lot of fun. But Marcus Mariota is an amazing young guy. And he is a Christian, if you, if you didn't know that. And it's cool to see a young guy uh, with all, you know, all this stuff going on around him. I mean, he's had incredible success. He's 35 and four as a starter at Oregon. Um, he's in the media all the time. In fact, uh, there was an interview, uh, you know, they do interviews after games, and there was a 12-year-old boy at one of these latest interviews, and he had an opportunity to ask the coach of Oregon some questions, and his main searching wondering was, is Marriott, is he going to go pro? Is he going to leave early and go pro next year? And the coach kind of turned it right back around on him and said, well, you know, what are the kids saying on your campus? What do you think? He's a 12-year-old, goes to a Catholic school, and here's what he said. He said, well, uh, Marriott is a, a pretty big deal. We talk about three things on our campus. We talk about Jesus, we talk about girls, and we talk about Marcus Mariota. <laughs> That's the environment he lives in. And here's this young Christian guy whose goal is to bring glory to God through his sport and to lead his team well. Here's, here's what he says. I think this is even in their media guide. He says this, when I relentlessly pursue Christ, I put my faith in him to be able to play well and lead my team. With his power, we are able to pursue and play for his glory. We want to go out and show the world that Christ lives. You don't expect that in football, do you? Roy? Yes. I'm going to win no Heisman. 
yeah. But what an amazing young man. And that is the kind of humility that God wants us to pursue. And when we look into the scriptures, we see it throughout the scriptures. From the beginning to the last page, we see that relationship with God is about us understanding how to see ourselves less and look for him more. I mean, here's, uh, I mean, really, because the, the, the problem that we face is pride, right? Human pride. Now, it doesn't mean we shouldn't feel good about things that we accomplish in life and good about things that are happening in our life. But pride is independence, right? And from the very beginning, it was first Satan, the enemy of God, and then he deceived Adam and Eve in the garden. And what did they choose? They, choose, they chose pride. They chose independence instead of humility and trusting God. And so we see um, words like this in the Psalms. David spoke many of these words. Uh, Psalm 34, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Right? Instead of thinking less of ourselves, we can begin to think of ourselves less as we look to God and search for him. And There's no better person to look at in the scriptures. I mean, there are many throughout the scriptures, but to look at Mary's life and experience. What an amazing woman, young woman she was. In her humility, she could bear the son of God and take on this incredible role that God gave her. And we have to wonder, as we think about Mary's life, you know, how did God choose her? Was it because she was so much more humble than any other young woman on the earth? Was it because she'd accomplished so much or she was in the favor or looked to by all the people around her? I don't think so. I mean, she was an incredibly humble young woman, but there was nothing special about her. God met her. He spoke to her, revealed himself to her through the angel And she responded. She received that. She had a simple, humble faith. And we can see it in the song that she sang in Luke chapter 1. We can see it in the account as we take a look at it. But listen to her song in Luke chapter 1. As she's giving praise to God right after she's received this visitation from uh, the the angel and the announcement of what was going to happen through her and in her my, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in, God, in the God my Savior, in my God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. I mean, what a response. Here's this young girl 13, 14 years old, poor, uneducated, no real status. And God chooses her, and she's willing to receive it. 
And you hear it right in her song. Mindful of the humble state of your servant. A young girl um, who's willing to open her life fully to God. Now, was that just something that she decided in a moment? Well, she certainly had to make a choice. But it was a lifestyle. It was a way of life for Mary. That's part of the process as God chose and raised her up for this unique role. So let's listen to a little bit of the story from um, Luke chapter 1. In verse 26, we read this account. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary says, how will this be um, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her her old age. And she, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month of pregnancy. For nothing is impossible with God. And here's how Mary responded. I am the Lord's servant, May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Now, when we read a text like this, it's, it's easy for us to look into the scriptures and think that the people, like Mary, were different from us. That this is like almost a, an automaton type person. Not human like us. They don't experience life like we do. She was special. She was set apart. But we can't look at the text that way. Because throughout the scriptures, even though Mary was unique, we see if we dig into the text and we look at people's lives, we see human beings just like you and me. People who worried and struggled and had problems and challenges. And Mary had to face tremendous challenges as well. So what was going through her mind as she received this notice from God. I mean, first she was blown away by it, and she said, yes. I mean, the, the very first step whenever an angel approaches somebody in Scripture is what? They fall to the ground, and then the angel says, get up, please don't be afraid. Right? So here's this young girl, and she's got to be wondering, okay, how can this be? I've never been with a man. I'm pledged to be married to Joseph. I don't understand this. And then she had to be thinking, what's Joseph going to think? What's my father going to say? What's my family and friends, what are they going to say? How are they going to react? How are they going to receive this news? And Mary began to quietly 
wrestle. Even though she'd received this incredible revelation and responsibility from God, she had to have been so confused. So what do we know about Mary? Well, um, typical Hebrew young girl, 13 or 14 years old. When We know this because when a Hebrew girl was 12, she would basically become an adult, and her parents would then select a husband for her, an older man. Joseph was selected. They were pledged to be married and going to be married soon. And so, um, you know, Mary is just this young girl. What, you know, what was she thinking? Well, I think from her faith, if we look at the typical um, young Jewish girl, they were grown up in the scriptures. Their parents would share the law of God and they would share the, the truths and the songs of God. And I bet that Mary was familiar with Psalm 34 even the one that we just read a few moments ago. I bet Mary was familiar with it. And so I'm, be, I'm sure that she began to wrestle through the scriptures, the stories, the words of God's that were familiar to her. She probably had a faith that was very similar to a lot of the young uh, women in Israel. Well, what did she believe about the Son of God or the Messiah? Because this had to been confusing for her too. Um, in that time, there was hope of a Messiah that God would send an anointed one someday that would regather his people of Israel and bring them back together and give them a new reign under a king who would be able to stand up against all the negative stuff in the world, against Rome, against all the negative oppression, against all the ungodliness that they experienced in the world. They believed that one day, a Messiah would come. And I'm sure Mary believed that. But it was this fuzzy idea. They didn't know what to expect. And even when we see Mary's life later on as she's kind of walking along with Jesus, her adult son, who's announced that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, she didn't fully understand what he was doing and what he was about. Because the Jewish understanding was that this Messiah would be a human figure that was raised up. They didn't really have a conception that it would be God himself. That's why the religious leaders pushed back and said, no, Jesus, nobody's God except God alone. You can't connect yourself to God in that way. And so she had all kinds of questions as she began to sort through what was happening in this baby that was going to be born through her. And we can wonder, what did Joseph think at first? It says in the text, and we'll talk about this next week, that he was going to quietly get a certificate of divorce. Even though they weren't married yet, they were pledged to be married, and he was going to start that process. And so imagine what their interactions were. Imagine um, as she told her family all the confusion that was going on and the lonely nights that she experienced. And we don't know what the time lag was. Joseph had an angelic visitation as well. And pretty soon he was brought on board with what was happening. But we don't know the time. We don't know how she felt. And even after that, it was Mary and Joseph holding this incredible revelation of what God was going to do in their lives for the benefit of all his people. And yet nobody understood. They were misunderstood.
We don't know what she thought or experienced in the Holy Spirit, but we have to believe that God was meeting her over and over again in a unique way. What does the text say? It tells her that the Lord is with you. And that had to have been the the thing, God's presence, that kept her going in some difficult times. All right, so as we think about Mary's life, what does that mean with our own faith and our own experience? Because we wrestle with questions. We are you know, trying to figure out on a daily basis, God, how can we pursue you? How can we get closer to you? How can we be more open and experience your presence in our lives? So how do we do that? Well, first of all, we need to make a choice like Mary did. Even though she lived in a state of humility where she understood that she, you know, she needed to think of herself less, she had to make a choice to allow her faith and hope to grow in these uncertain times. Mary's, Mary chose faith and hope in difficult circumstances, and you and I also need to choose faith and hope this Christmas. It's something that God gives us as a gift. Faith and hope is not something that we figure out. It's not a fully rational thing. It's something that begins to form inside of us, where our mind and our heart and our soul are connected to the God who's come into this world to save us. I mean, we have challenges, don't we? Today, we come into this place and we're, we're anxious. We have worries. There may be stuff going on in your family today. There's stuff that's happening in your work that even though it's Christmas time and there are parties and all that kind of stuff, you're stressed out. You don't know what the first of the year is going to look like. And yet it's in these moments where God, in humility, wants us to open ourselves and to say, God, will you please meet me in this place? And that's the incredible thing that we know about Jesus today, is that the revelation in the scriptures, what Mary was given, which she didn't fully understand, is that through her, the Son of God was coming into our world to bring us back into relationship with God. For all human beings, he would lay down his life for our brokenness and our sin, our pride, our independence, and he would set things right. He would resurrect from the dead to defeat the power of death and sin and give us this hope that he wants us to choose on a daily basis. Give us this faith that you and I can pursue right now in this moment. Because Jesus is alive and present. I know this is true because I've experienced it in my own life and I've, I've heard it from many of you as you've shared your stories with me. Not that we've got it figured out, we experience God on a daily basis, that that's not a problem, but we have had experiences of God's goodness where Mary hears the Lord is with you we've been able to experience the Lord is with you. I was talking with a young uh, gal this last week. Um, and she's you know, going through a tough time and reflecting back to her early on years as a child. 
And her experience was this. Her dad left when she was a baby. And so growing up, she had this distant relationship with her father, who was never around. And she had to wrestle through the, the times where he would call and say, hey, I'm going to pick you up this, this Saturday. We're going to go out and do this or that. And she would wait on the front step of their house. And he would never show. And you can imagine if you've dealt with anything like that, the, the hurt that brings. The scar that's there that just doesn't get erased. And yet, our promise in Jesus is that we have a father who loves us, who cares for us, who knows our name and wants to be present with us on a daily basis. A father who will never leave us. And that's what Jesus shows us again this Christmas. Is that there's hope. And as you pursue me, you'll find me. And I'll show you today that I'm present. Where I will be with you. We have a daily opportunity to know, like Mary, that the Lord is with us. So, you and I, we get to pursue that today. And we get to uh, do this in community. It's not something that you have to figure out on your own. You have friends here who will help. You have friends who will pray for you. You have friends who, friends who encourage you. But ultimately, for each of us, it means that we need to choose. Today, God, I want to be humble before you. And I just ask that you'll meet me that you will be with me like you were with Mary.